You're listening to episode 308 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season two of the German Netflix series, Dark. And I, I love the title. I mean, Dark Matter has so many meanings for me. Uh, you watched the show, Dark Matter, right? Yes. Okay. Would you have to remember what show but, I was talking about for a second? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I got like a picture of Jai Depp in my head first for a second there. Like, uh, I have no idea what that even means. Did, did, did they do the uh, like dark something? He made a movie of an old TV show. Uh, I don't even know. Um, you dark know, Shadows. My- I'd say the Jai Depp made a movie, so blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, well, Michael and I did a podcast of that show, Extant, and when we were trying to come up with names for the podcast, uh, I came up with Dark Matter, and I'm not sure exactly how that fit into the show, other than that I thought it sounded cool at the time. And then, like, (laughs) you know, two weeks later, Sci-Fi drops the show, Dark Matter, so we ended up changing it just to the Extant podcast, which is probably what we should have done to begin with. And uh, here we've got an episode titled Dark Matter. So you're saying it's your fault? Yes, I am. But but here at least it makes some sense. So uh Right. Well that's like the first thing I noticed when you see the title is that I mean my first thought was the same as yours, is that there's a lot of ways you can interpret the title of this. You know, obviously there's the that literal dark matter that's in the um in, in the nuclear power plant, but also there's like if you take matter, which in English means can also mean like like things, so it's just like dark concerns or dark things are happening right so well i got a little bit of news that i want to put out there and based on instagram pictures on baron bo odar and some of the cast members accounts it appears that filming for season three which is the final season of dark has begun and the few I've seen, and I did stop looking because they are somewhat spoilery. And, you know, maybe when I'm done with season two, I'll take a look. But they are out there if you want to search them. I guess because of the actors aging, especially the younger ones, it probably makes sense to get the filming done ASAP. Right. Even if they end up waiting a year to release it. Well, also, we don't want to go down this hole of, you know, analyzing a bunch of pictures and. You know, finding out that this character we had imagined all this stuff for really just spent, you know, 30 years in the mental institution. Right. Well, first of all, I can't imagine a podcast doing an episode based on a bunch of pictures they got off the Internet in the first place. But, you know, there is that. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about dark matter because uh, there's. Hold on. First of all, I do have a pick of the week, though. Okay, let's hear it. I got to put this out there. It is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Have you, uh, of course, you haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, just, they, they put it up on Netflix this week. So I had kind of, I actually was going to buy it, but I just like never got a chance to. And then I saw it on Netflix. It was really, really good. It's, you know, animated, but the animation is just fantastic. And it's, uh, you know, basically this young kid, uh, Miles Morales, uh, gets he's you know he's like a high school student he gets bit by a a spider and the the kingpin has created this some big device that ends up bringing all these spider 
men and people things from other realities to Miles' place, and he has to try and find a way to get them home and defeat the kingpin and everything. It was just, it was just great. It was really okay. good. Okay. Well, I, I do have three Spider-Man cards that apparently come in my boxes of Pop-Tarts that I buy. So I, I have the <laughs> Peter Parker one. Nice. I have the Spider-Man. Uh, traditional spider-man red and blue suit and then apparently there's a dark spider-man because his suit is all black i don't have any idea yes. what that's all about but yes dave he said in a pitying tone okay i do have those anyway all right let's get to uh, dark episode two season two dark matter written by yante frisia and ronnie shalk who've written three episodes together in season one including the finale Directed by Baron Bo Odar, dropped on Netflix June 21st, 2019. So just a couple of initial thoughts before we get into the uh, episode details. You know, the God particle that's floating in the plant, we, we get a little more clarity in this episode, which is certainly nice. And, and in the episode, you know, on the one hand, I feel like not a lot happened, but it actually did. I, I don't know if it's the way it was edited or... What And I don't say that as a negative because I really like this episode. And I don't know about you. I, I sense we're going to be on a trend where the episodes are just going to get straight A's. I mean, certainly I'm giving this one an A. Oh, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, the, the God particle that's floating in the plant, I, I think we get some verification that it's the same thing that's produced by the two time machines as used by older Jonas in 2020 and older Claudia in 1987. And I don't know if that's something that, that you get a definite verification down the road from what I see in episode two, I'm comfortable calling that verification. Yeah. Well, we see before they travel with using the machines, this dark bubble envelops them, right? So, um, yeah, it certainly seems like 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 that's uh, that's a thing. Okay, so at this point, I we can't don't... remember whether there's any kind of verification for it later or not. So I'm not okay. being cagey on this one. Okay, so I I don't really know where the 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 black bubble in the power plant originated. I mean, we see the time machines can produce that, so yeah, I assume we'll find that out. Jonas takes his mom from 2020 to 1987, which was pretty cool. We don't know to when Claudia travels from 1987. So I guess it has to either be 2020 or 1954, since you can only go one step forward or one step back. Right. Well, she, she definitely travels back because she buries the time machine and then Claudia digs it up. Right, in 1987. I, I just meant, so I, I guess yeah. what you're saying is when we see her leave, we know she's going back to actually bury it at that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely know she's. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I just thought that, like, I guess she didn't necessarily have to bury it right away, but at some time, yes. she, you know, obviously is in the in the past where her which is really like that I just love that scene where you see her older self burying something and her younger self digging up the thing that was buried how effing trippy is that yeah 
You know, sometimes they use the split screen a little bit too much, and I get the sense that they're doing it because they can. Not in that scene, though. That works so well, the way they did that. Yeah. Now, there are obviously a lot of lines of dialogue that, that are really meaningful, but the one that really jumps out at me is when older Claudia says to her adult self in that office scene, I was told by me that you and I are the same person. And it it sort of crystallizes a lot of the mystery and the paradox that we contend with. And one of the things that occurred to me, and it's something that Fred uh, and I went back and forth. I can never remember whether we do it in Facebook messaging or whether it makes it onto the Facebook group. But we already know that the same person from different timelines can you know, be together. What happens if one of them kills the other? Can older Jonas kill younger Jonas? I mean, I don't know why he would want to, but would that disrupt anything? So, I mean, clearly we get no answers at this point. I don't know that we will, but it's certainly something that that I find fascinating uh, because we talk about time travel rules and and certainly one that they've established is that we can have at least two individuals in the same timeline and be together in close proximity and and go from there so uh 1987 june 22nd five days until the apocalypse and and we see that scene where mickle wakes up in jonas's bed i assume it's probably the same bed and it's certainly the same house and and one of the things i love about nurse ines is that we see her out of her nurse's uniform and in a more relaxed attire and and just seemingly a little bit more relaxed in general and we don't have that severeness of her hair pulled back so tight you're afraid she's gonna end up pulling it out but just a really nice scene between the two of them Right. And, you know, Ines is, you know, she's taking on that role, that motherly role. And, you know, obviously she's got rules for Mikkel so that people don't think he's a crazy person, right? Yeah. Uh, You can't go around saying that, you know, you're from the future. Like that, that's not going to lead to you being acclimated back into society. But on the other hand, it's like she's encouraging him to smother that part of himself, you know? So it's, it's like in one way we see, yeah, obviously this is something he needs to do, but it's also kind of giving up on his ever getting back. And that's when he goes to the cave. Obviously he wants to get back. He hears something there. He thinks, Oh, maybe that's my mom and dad coming back for me as any little kid would think obviously he's still traumatized by what's happened to him. You know, I don't know whether we, you know, I, I can't say I should really criticize Inez because she's stepping up and taking care of this kid and being a mom. And you can see when he hugs her that Mikkel is kind of accepting that this is his life now and everything, but it's still kind of smacks of repression, I guess, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess in her favor, you could argue that, that as you, said she can't have him saying things that are going to make people think that there's something wrong with him obviously he's down because this is apparently his mother's birthday and and i appreciate that she's got to 
get across to him that the past is in the past, but I, I felt like she did it in a gentle enough way that she understands what this day means to him because not all that much time has elapsed for him at, at, at this point. I mean, he, he looks roughly the same age, so, uh, you know. Yeah. It, it, well, and also, he got to see his mom. She right. called him a douchebag, but, <laughs> you know. Right. But, uh, which I was wondering what I I gotta, I gotta see that in German. I gotta listen to this in German. I want to know what the German word for douchebag is. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the irony, I've watched a lot of interviews of cast members and for the most part, everyone that I've heard, and I've probably listened to maybe four or five different cast members, they all speak perfect English. So, Mm-hmm. I understand that the cost involved to record scenes in English and German might be prohibitive, and I wonder whether they're actually doing their own English dubbing, but, uh, you know, it is something that occurred to me. But, yes, I did notice the uh, use of the word douchebag in the, in the, close, in, in, in the uh, subtitles. But the other thing that Mickle seems to be preoccupied with, I don't want to say obsessed at this point, is whether or not God has a plan. And certainly right. something has come up time and again with different characters that things have to play out the way they're supposed to. And well, so that's Claudia's like mantra, right? That's right, like sure. Her whole thing is like everything, well, until... Like this, like for Claudia, it's like everything has to happen just as it always has until we change everything. And that, you know, so it's like, you know, that doesn't quite add up, I don't think. Right. Now, you, you mentioned Jonas, uh, adult Jonas, taking his mother from 2020 to 1987. And, and he says to show you dad's secret. And I love the way that scene transpires and the fact that they don't articulate it for us, that she understands what the impact and and what this actually means. But she has to know that, oh, okay. So he's a time traveler and you know, that, that stuff starts to make sense for her even though we don't hear her say it maybe she will in a later episode when she and jonas are back in 2020 i don't know but, but she's already accepted that this is jonas right yeah 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 but she's got so it's now- like why does well, he why does he have to bring her back why do you say oh by the way um dad is mickle you know well, well, so but I, th- I mean, I guess there's a kind of doubting Thomas aspect where if she sees it with her own eyes, then she completely understands it. You know? Right. But what he's trying to get her to understand is why dad hung himself or hanged himself. You know, it, it, it's I think in that case, I know what you're saying and, and I agree with it. But I think because it, it's such a devastating event in their marriage and in their family life. To see it maybe will make it easier to understand because, you know, does she think it's her fault that he hanged himself? Well, I don't think even we really know why yeah. Michael did that. You know, we know he did it and we know he wrote this note about it. But, like, yeah, why he really did it. I mean, like, if he was just depressed about everything, I mean, 
God, he, he waited till he got to see himself and like what? to be 10 years old or whatever or something yeah. before he, he did it. So, so, so yeah, that, there's, well, I mean, just like everything in this show, it's just so, everything is so interwoven and everything's so complex. It's like, yeah. Well, and in this episode, you know, we get several sequences of characters confronting themselves and, and certainly Claudia finds her older self waiting in her office with Gretchen. And of course the dog is the link between the two of them. It's my dog, just like it is yours. And And the poor dog is probably like, what the hell? Right. But uh, we, we also get that scene of Claudia trying to get Regina off to high school. Apparently it's the big day at the plant. The French contingent's going to be there. I'm not exactly sure why Egon is there. I mean, he says something like, you know, hey, I can do this. Uh, I've got the time. Almost as if, yeah, you know, if you need me to get the kid off to school, I can do that. But that's not what it's all about. So I'm not even sure why he's really there. I mean, we know he wants to tell her something. I assume it's that he found out he has cancer. Yeah, but, that's, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think you know, based on the phone call he gets, and again, given you know the the cancer scare well it's past the scare that that we know that claudia has already i'm sorry regina has related again pretty much figure has something to do with the power plan i i just put two and two together but again i'm not sure why he's there i guess it's not all that important i just Uh, think he's retired and doesn't have anything else to do so he's kind of hanging around his daughter his wife's not around right so i mean i guess we have a time loop of some sort and you know this whole idea that some things have to happen the way they always have certainly implies that that this loop you know continues and there again there's a lot of dialogue in there that just makes your head swim and to to really break each of these down we'd be doing a three-hour podcast and Right. Uh, I think that's beyond what we want to do and beyond what anybody wants to actually listen to. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, the notion of a time loop, you know, it, for me, it's kind of a love hate relationship with time loops. So, is what it is. And, and, uh, we'll deal well, with yeah, it. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not quite sure we got like loops per se. It's just, you're right. It'd be good, like three hours. Just like, but it just seems like things are happening in a fairly kind of. I, I I don't necessarily like using the word linear, but maybe that things are happening in kind of like this linear format. And as Claudia said, like things are playing out as they're supposed to. So we don't see people going back and retrying to, to do things. When people do things, they do it like that's like the first and only time. Like where Jonas tries to destroy the tunnels. You know, it's not like he's tried this a bunch of times before. He just had that one shot. And then later on, he talks about it in the past. Well, I tried that one time to do it. So you look at this feeling of of people being able to to get second shots at things. Well, the only reason I say that is because of the phrase, the way they always have, which seems to imply that they've happened before. Maybe just once. Maybe it's that older Michael, once he sees his 10 or 11-year-old self, realizes he can't go in and try to change anything. It has to happen 
the way it's supposed to happen and, and that that kid is going to grow up to be him, the guy standing there. And so, yeah, maybe it's just one loop that that's happened. But but again, we, we don't want to get bogged down in the details here too much. Right. Uh, this, the scene that I also found interesting was teenage Alexander and Regina when they're sitting in that field together and I started wondering whether he's really fallen in love with her or is he basically using her as a safe haven when we see them as older individuals it does seem as if their marriage is okay it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong but at this point I'm wondering clearly he's running from something of course, I'm wondering at this point now whether he's running from something in another timeline, but oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know why. I didn't really think about that before. But one thing I do want to say about this scene is uh, Re- Regina says <clears throat> they're reading a, a book in school that's about how the, like the sins of the parents are visited upon the next generation. I think she's talking about Ghosts by Heinrich Ibsen. Oh, okay. Which actually has a character named Regina in it. Oh, okay. And, and, wait for it, and this is not, I'm pointing out that this is not a spoiler. I don't know if this is, like, plays out or not, but in Ghosts, Regina, her lover or whatever, uh, she later discovers is her half-brother. Oh, okay. So, I, again relaxed there everyone's saying i'm spoiling stuff that's not a spoiler i don't know if that works out or anything that's just what ghosts are like but they brought it up there's definitely talking about ghosts uh by heinrich gibson in this character and there's a character named regina and it's, it's about kids who like this guy captain alvig who just slept around and his son has syphilis because of that and you know he's got slept with the maid and the maid's daughter is regina and his son and regina are in love with one another but they find out they're uh, half siblings and so so much for that okay well i believe episode three's title is ghosts if i'm not mistaken like booyah yeah okay so uh so well, but that being said i i like from what we've seen of alexander in the future i i, I really feel like he genuinely is in love with regina you know uh, before we thought maybe you know this was a little because she looked kind of goofy with the glasses and everything now, but now she's like got her hair all teased out and eighties up and everything. And, and she, uh, you know, so it doesn't seem as implausible. And I, I feel like he actually does, uh, love Regina. Yeah. I mean, I got that sense in that scene, but again, when we go back to their original meeting in the woods and he's wounded and the gun and the different passports and all of that, but we have a lot of characters that are asked to accept quite a bit. And some of the things we've already talked about, old Claudia takes her younger self into the cave, pulls out the time machine, gives her a brief explanation, and then just disappears. Oh, yeah, you need to stop Adam. <clears throat> Who the hell's Adam? But she does leave her with some material. And that, of course, leads to the scene that you mentioned earlier in the discussion about 1987, Claudia digging up the metal box that contains one of the time machines at the same time we're watching uh, her older self bury it in 1953. But but that's pretty cool. Uh, One of the things that Fred, I guess I'll say, brings up, he posted it in the Facebook group about how great 
a job they've done with the actors and we see older egon you know call the station to ask about the guy that he arrested in 53 for abducting the two kids and of course we know that's ulrich and while we speculated in that pre-season two discussion about the pictures of ulrich that that seemed to show him in charge of something that's not the ulrich we see at this point so he goes to this psychiatric facility ulrich's been there for 34 years so i'm not sure what the deal with those pictures is and and again i I was just so disappointed though i was just like what i'm like oh come on he's supposed to be like this crime boss or something now i just well so i wonder whether we're going to get some sort of a changed timeline based on you know things that one or more characters do upcoming but we see ulrich with long hair he quotes the heavy metal lyrics from that encounter in season one when when ulrich was a teenager and you know egon says i've heard those lyrics before but i i'm wondering whether that encounter maybe hasn't taken place yet you know what I'm saying? The the one in the bedroom when he just lets himself in and uh, Ulrich's mother finally comes in and tells Egon to get oh, the hell right. out of their house. Yeah, yeah. So, but when we break it down, teenage Ulrich should still be in the 1987 timeline, right? Yeah, well, wait. Yeah, well, that, that definitely, because that took place, that was all like a year ago, right? Well, we assume, I mean... Because he's still... Because he doesn't he look at the newspaper. He's got, like, something about Mads in front yes, of him. Sure. Right, right, right. But, so, so right, so we've got two Ulrichs in this 1987 timeline. The one that's got long gray hair and is probably in his 70s or maybe even 80. But I guess then the question, why is he in this facility? Was he unable to do what Mickle has done which is to keep his mouth shut about being from the future. Okay. Is that something we find out? I'm no comment. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so we get to 2020. Charlotte's looking at that 1921 group photo when Clausen walks in uh, to get her for the Tideman interview. And, and, you know, one of the things that really strikes me and, and it really hit home for me because one of our colleagues many years ago uh, shushed me when I was talking to somebody. I'm like, did you just shush me? <laughs> and I, I won't say her name, but I'm pretty sure you um, yeah. know who I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, in, in that scene, it's like how unprofessional I felt that was. And I guess you could argue it was pretty unprofessional for Charlotte to just get up and leave during the interview right right when she doesn't like the way things are transpiring but uh well no she she sees uh she she sees all the stuff in joe's box right well yeah right but don't make it any more suspicious than it already is you you know yeah well she's just so freaked out which again this guy this random guy has stuff that's in a book that your grandfather wrote like i mean that's that's pretty trippy. Right. And, but, and um, to, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say to to further the inappropriate behavior, uh, the scene when Magnus comes and confronts Francesca about what he saw right. when he followed her. And, well, like we said before, worst boyfriend ever. And I, I was certainly glad that she reacts the way she reacts and and, and the funny thing yeah. as soon as he comes in and starts yelling at her i'm thinking like dude her little sister is right there and they're like oh no she can't hear anyway what he said so boy but you know Just when he acu- <laughs> he accuses her of prostituting herself yeah. and then she says not selling hormone therapy drugs which i don't know do we know that it's it sounds like she's saying that her father is also. She's so her, her father. Remember, was a client of. Do we have a name of that character, by the way? I don't know that we do. I'm not sure, to be honest. Anyway, so Peter was going to her for you know sex, I guess, and paying her with prescriptions for hormone therapy. But then when Peter stopped going. Now, Francesca needs to get her those prescriptions. Okay. So I guess she's stealing the prescriptions from her father and giving them to her so she can get her hormone therapy. And in return, she's getting paid, which you noticed last week that, you know, Francesca put in a thin envelope and got back a fat envelope in return. Um, but but back to, uh, you know, Charlotte and Clausen in the interview uh, with Regina Again, I'm not sure exactly what he's getting at, but like we said last week, he he seems to know more than he probably should know based on the police reports such as they are. For instance, why is he so concerned about when Alexander came to Winden? Right. um, Why did he take your name? And again, yeah, that's like, what does this discussed. have to do with the missing kids? Right. Right. And, and that's what really gets Charlotte's attention. And, and she's ready to end the interview. And I think that's at the point where he starts shushing her. Yeah, I mean, clearly, when we, we look at the contents of that box that the stranger had left in, in the hotel room. OK, fine. But. Again, there's something about this guy Clausen that that's a bit off, and and uh, I, again, I I, I know you've uh, have you finished all eight episodes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. But course. but yeah, I mean, we can tell right from here. Like he's definitely like why why is he focusing his his investigation on Alex? And we know, and I guess because we know Alexander has got kind of a dodgy past, but. It really doesn't seem like anything that's related. He seems like the the one outside kind of guy. Right. You know. And, and I think what we can say is you, you said a dodgy past, and, and I think we have enough evidence to say that that's true. But in the interim, the 33 years since, he's apparently been, uh, again, I don't want to say a model citizen, model husband well, and all that. He's but, kind of hiding no nuclear waste that, well that's that, not great well good point there is that <laughs> yes um but uh so so jonas takes hannah into the caves got the time machines going to show her the truth about uh, about his father i think more importantly though it is the scene when mickle and it's almost like mickle i don't know if he can actually hear 
the time machine activating or whether he senses it, but it draws him to the cave. I mean, he doesn't go in, but then Noah's sitting there waiting for him. Yeah, with a knife. And an apple. Yeah. Well, what's that all about? Yeah, well, anytime I see an apple, (laughs) again, when we start talking about metaphor, symbolism, I mean, of course, is he trying to tempt Mickle into doing something? Mickle's, again, still concerned whether God has a plan and, and does God make mistakes? And and I find it interesting because we've talked about Noah and his clerical collar. Is I guess that's what you call it, right? I'm not. Yeah, uh, yeah, collar. Yeah. So it, it puts out that religious feeling. I mean, is Noah religious? I, I found it interesting that when Mickle mentions whether God makes mistakes, his response is no, he doesn't. And again, I don't know what kind of religious overtones are going to continue, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Noah, I mean, well, the name and then Adam, the name and, um, you know, running around the priest collar. I mean, it's pretty upfront. It's just to me how much Noah and Claudia kind of say similar things, you know, like Claudia is of has this kind of opinion everything needs to happen as it's supposed to happen right and everything like that which means suggests that there's a plan which is the same thing that Noah is saying so while these two forces uh are seem to be at uh, well not seem to be are at quote-unquote war with one another they seem to have kind of very similar ideas and one of the things that they both seem to be fighting for and and I guess it shouldn't be a big shock is a better world, even though in 2053, which we'll get to in a second, I think they even use the word paradise. I think it's Jonas that, that uses it, but 2053, as much as I enjoy the time we spend there, there were some problematic things for me in terms of what I'm expected to believe. And I I know that's ironic given that I'm accepting that time travel is possible, but Jonas has apparently gotten this highly advanced equipment that's been dormant for 33 years to operate again as he attempts to stabilize the God particle. And I don't know that we've had any indication that he was this brilliant student that oh yeah of course he'd be able to do that. You well, know, but mean, he's he's following Claudia's direction, so he's just listening to the tape. Well, okay, but still, and and you know maybe there's more on the tape that we haven't heard. I mean the uh, you know I went to the actual script, so I've got her entire voiceover in front of me, and you need to get a power source. You need to do the well. Okay, those are all I don't want to say vague directions. But, but again, this is equipment that's going to generate the God particle and open a time portal. And watching him with the equipment, I don't know. I, I just, I, I thought it strained my uh, belief in, in, in yeah. what he should be able to do. But again, just for a moment, then I, I moved on. I certainly didn't get bogged down in that and, and let that take away my well, enjoyment. Well, also, because that is the thing. Well, when you see... 
that he's running a power plant on gas. Yeah. You know, he even had like a dipstick there. Like, stupid thing always runs out right when I'm in the middle of the work. You know, like, he's had a year, right? So right. he's had some time that he's been able to, you know, work on this, I guess, and everything. So uh, I don't know. You're right. There, there are some parts of it that you're like, but, you know, they, but they're really kind of playing up, I guess, like the the cyberpunk aspects of it and everything. And, uh, well, not necessarily cyberpunk, but, you know, the apocalyptic elements of, of you know, and I guess steampunk, I guess, is the word I was thinking of, um, where they have to use, like, going back, using older technology to run newer technology and things like that. Right. But even if you gave me a year... <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be able right. to figure out some of this stuff. So anyway. Uh, well, if you didn't have anything else to do and there was no Netflix, then, you know, who yeah, knows what he, you could get done, Dave. Well, he's got a walk, man, dude. So well, he is a disc man, yeah. Disc man, right, right. So he hooks up the disc man to a speaker, and, and I guess he's found some kind of battery because that's what it looks like he's hooked it up. Yeah. And uh, again, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. He starts blaring Suspicious Minds by Elvis – and I love the lyrics. Don't you know yeah. I'm caught in a trap? We're caught in a trap. I can't walk I out. Can't and, hold that's, back and that's what he's doing. Because I love you too much, baby. I love that so, song. Right. So he's setting a trap to get the military vehicle to stop so that he can then go and siphon gas. And, and you know, I, I think you're of an age you probably remember siphoning gas uh, maybe not but i definitely yeah. do yeah it's it's the lost art though isn't it yes it is because and everyone's you know uh gas caps are locked off you can't just unscrew it and get the gas out so yeah and watching him again made me why the hell would i ever do that well because i wanted to get home and my car had no gas and <laughs> siphon it out of my buddy's car and you know okay right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so he so he's setting a trap, so they'll stop. He can siphon the gas out. And uh, I, I guess I'm wondering, who are these guys? Right. And, and why do they have their guns wrapped with material? Yes. Right, like camouflage stuff. Yeah. So I get why they all have masks, you know, because we see well, like Jonas. balaclavas. What's that? The balaclavas. Yeah, like the ski masks, right? right. Where you just see their their eyes, and and I get that because Jonas has the same thing, and we assume it's the dust particles or or whatever's in the air. Although we do see the one uh, one dude, it looks like his face is heavily scarred. So again, we don't really know because on the one hand, I'm thinking, well, why are they hiding their identity? But maybe that's not really what they're doing. Still, who are they? Are they aligned with whatever those aerial vehicles are that that right. uh, they seem to hide from? Is that another group? It certainly seems to be. But he goes back through the wall. He's got his gas can, and he finds four guns pointed at him, including Future Girl and Elizabeth. Wow. Now we know where older Jonas got those marks on his neck. Yes, that that we noticed in the beginning of season one because we see Jonas about to be hanged and and actually he 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 does get hanged for a, a brief time but he 
challenges her about why she's lying about what's really going on in the dead zone. But what really comes out of this scene, though, number one, future girl seems to be shaken as he's hanging by the rope. I mean, she seems yeah. shaken even before. Yeah, Alicia's she's like crying and stuff, right? So does she like Jonas? Do they have some sort of a relationship? It doesn't necessarily seem that way. But at the end, though, and one thing we certainly know about Elizabeth, she's a damn good shot because at, at first I thought, okay, she just missed him when she grazes his knee. But when she shoots the rope to free him, like, I yeah. don't know, she, she, just, she meant to just graze his knee at that point. Yeah. The question is, why? And he says... I'm only trying to save the people in my time. So Elizabeth knows who he is. Sure. Do the others. Because later when, when he takes future girl inside the power plant to show her what Elizabeth's been hiding, she says, who, who are you really? Almost as if she doesn't know he's from the future. Right. Or does but he? Or she does, does she, because, right? well, she said, well, her first words to her, welcome to the future, and then she clocked them, right? Oh, that's true. At the end of season one. Uh, good yeah. point. That That's true. So then the question, I guess, what does she mean by who are you really? In, in other words, why is she saving you? So I, I, I guess we wonder how much of the time travel do these people really know? Okay, fine. They know he time traveled there, but... You know, it's like she's saying, why are you so important right. that she let you live? And, Absolutely. And, and it also begs the question, why did she put him up on there with the rope around his neck in the first place if she was going to save him? And maybe she didn't intend to. Maybe it was just the second thought of of seeing him up there. But Yeah, I, th- these are uh, questions I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. You know, obviously we know that... Well, I mean, we're pretty sure it's a, you know, I guess we haven't had 100% confirmation on that, but we're pretty solidly can say that that's Elizabeth. So clearly she knows Jonas and knows this Jonas. Uh, so why does she execute him? Why does she arrest him? And why does she save him? You know, right. So those are, and we just, don't know she's a very enigmatic character we're not even really sure and that's the thing like we just and, and now jonas has left uh 2053 so are we gonna get any answers to are, are we are we gonna see this world again right because he's he's gone and so you know is is are we gonna go back there are we gonna see that we've really all we you know i thought we would I I almost assumed that this whole season would be kind of set in the future and we'd see this future world and everything, but we've really only gotten brief glimpses of it with this kind of, it seems like this insurrectionist type force, this, you know, that's more of a, a militia than a, than a military. Um, are they on Jonas's side or are they not? Why are they such big Elvis fans? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like there's just questions. Like, what are those things flying overhead? 
what's the deal with Elizabeth's group? Is she the same group of people that Jonas steals the gas from? You know, they're all going, everyone's armed to the teeth, right? So there's obviously, you know, we've heard battle going on in the background, but we just don't get any of those questions answered, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I wondered, you mentioned Elvis uh, and, and I, thought all right why elvis and the the actual answer is probably that was the only cd he had available but then i started thinking like well you know elvis of course is popular the world over but when when he was in the army he was stationed in germany in germany right right so i wonder if uh yeah the german playfulness there yeah but uh but anyway of course they could play the beatles you know the beatles got their cut their teeth in in berlin too so or Um, hamburg right uh so but yeah i I guess like you said it's the universal appeal of elvis if you want people to come running play elvis you know they're gonna come he's gonna draw them in he puts he puts butts in the seats man that's what he does so uh, he fires up the generator. He gets the God particle to stabilize. He just walks in and disappears. So we've only got two choices. He either went back to 2020 or he went forward to 2086. And since we've got no examples of 2086 being part of this storyline, I'm going to assume he ends up in 2020 and go from there. Now, what he's going to do once he's there not sure you know and i love slash hate you know i'm sitting there watching it and i see him walking into the bubble and i look down at the uh, time counter because i was watching it on my laptop all right there's still like three and a half minutes so what's going to happen then the credits come on i'm like oh okay well whatever (laughs) yeah but uh anyway anything else you want to bring up before we listen to fred um i think that's probably it okay yeah, I think we're good. Okay. All right. Well, let's listen to Fred this week. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark Season 2, Episode 2. First, I want to go back to last week's podcast. In my feedback for that podcast, I was questioning whether Adam's room was in the 1950s, 1920s, or whatever. But in your podcast, you assumed it was 1921. And I'm not that certain. Of course, you can have in a later time period still have a room that is decorated as from an earlier period. So I'm not so sure it's 1921. And then a discussion on the Facebook page started about this topic. And you said, okay, but perhaps I saw a telephone there. So I made a screenshot, an overview screenshot of Adam's room. And I couldn't detect a telephone. Although, at a certain point, you see Adam sitting in his chair and it's quite dark. And in the background, you have an idea that there is a telephone and then that kind old-fashioned like 1920s model. But if you boost up that screenshot, you see it's actually an oxygen tank. And Adam also has a mouthpiece in his hand. So... Not only his head, the outside is uh, is affected, but also his lungs, probably. I have another indication that it could be the 1920s, because if you look at the lighting, there are a lot of candles in that room, and a few brighter uh, lamps, actually, uh, next to the Peter Paul Rubens uh, painting that's hanging there. 
And that could fit with the 1920 period, because electric light, light bulbs, are developed between 1870 and 1910, and then from that moment onward, it's getting more and more also available for households, especially, of course, for the richer households. I had the impression all these candles, perhaps were lamps, because they were not moving, but there is one shot where you see... Noah close up and then indeed you see in the background one of these candles flicker a little bit. So the combination of just a few electric lamps and the rest in the room full of candles makes it that it's post-1910, I think. So could be 1920 after all. This is what I like about Dark, these Sherlock Holmesy puzzles. And have a look on the Facebook page, by the way, because there I posted some pictures where you can see what I'm talking about. Question, of course, is which major trauma did he suffer from? Did he already go through the apocalypse? And talking about apocalypse, he is saying to Noah, the apocalypse has to happen. And if he says that in 1920, I find it quite confusing because in the different timelines you see that it is six days to the apocalypse also in the future so in 2053 so if the apocalypse happens in 1921 how does the world look after that could we have a 1986 or a 2019 as we saw it these time loops are quite confusing the last podcast you said about the rules that in a lot of series with time travel have that you cannot be at the same time. Well, for Dark, that's completely over. Because after seeing two Noahs, we now also see two Claudias. And we also have seen that the stranger, so older Jonas, has met Jonas. So not a problem for Dark. And about who Adam is, the first time we see Adam, or actually when we first hear Adam, is as a voiceover over when Katrina is in the caves. For me, that was just a normal voiceover, as we heard it more often. And then it switched to the scene with Noah, and the same voice went on. So, is Adam the one that has read a lot of other stuff within Dark? And I thought that A.G. Tannhaus, so Charlotte's grandfather, and the one that explained older Jonas, the time machine, was the one who read these voiceovers. So is Adam H.G. Tannhaus. You had another hypothesis about who Adam could be. We, we've got this guy, Clausen, who is now in charge. Dude, I don't know about you, but what a douche. I, yeah, I, I don't know if he's a douche or just you know like kind of weird you know my my first thought when i saw Clausen is like i'm trying to see how much he could maybe look like adam okay. you know because he is from out of nowhere and he's asking questions uh pretty pretty you know, pointed questions i did some uh investigation if this could be true just by comparing the voices of this Clausen and Adam and then of course in the original German version here is Clausen Der Augen hat zu sehen und Ohren zu hören überzeugt sich dass die Sterblichen kein Geheimnis verbergen können and this is Adam wo liegt der Ursprung all diesen Leids hast du Bartosch Bescheid gegeben Und er hat keinen Verdacht geschöpft. Er war schon immer naiver Natur. 
I think this is not the same voice. I was just talking about Katerina being voiced over by Adam. It's not that nice that we don't see anything about her in this second episode. So she went into the caves. Did she discover the door, the Sigmundus Creatus S door? The whole second episode, Katerina is still in the caves. So that's a little bit of pity. About these caves, you said something about the handwork that uh, Noah and that other guy, which perhaps is Bartois, did in the caves. And while I don't think it's the same actor as Bartosh. Well, it's definitely, yeah, definitely not the same actor. Right, but gosh darn, does he look like him. So I wonder if there's going to be some kind of a connection. I mean, we know the other guy is, is younger, Noah. And I agree with you, Dave, that they look alike. And I could also make a compliment to the makers of Dark that they found a third person who looked like Ulrich. So the old guy in the mental institution really looks like the Ulrich we know. If this is Bartos, by the way, the guy that Noah killed, then perhaps 1888 is a time period where you can get, because the guy that died is not as young as the Bartos that Noah took from the entrance of the cave to what time period, we don't know. But that could be 1888, and then this guy became, let's say, in his 40s, and then he was killed. About the killing, last time I said he fell down in a very peculiar way. And Wayne was saying that, yeah, if you get a pick into your spine, you immediately drop down. But if you properly look, and I said that, where the pick went into his body, it's about at the height of his collarbone. So in his shoulder and not in his spine. And immediately his head drops down and actually he should scream from pain instead of dropping immediately down. And it was not the spine. The anatomy of the human being is a little different. A lot of hand labor there. But, uh, geez, at this rate, I, I gotta believe they must have started it earlier than 1921. What I noticed is that when they are in those caves... The Sigmundus Creatus Est door is already there. So the idea of 1888 as a time period, yeah, did they put that door there or, or was that door there? So if the door was there and they are struggling to make this tunnel, then the door is even older than the extension of the tunnels. One other thing you said in your feedback is that about the bunker, that the future group doesn't know anything about the bunker. But he goes in the bunker. I wonder if anybody in his group knows about the bunker, which we know is, is of course, geographically connected to to the tunnels and, and right. the cave system. But it, it doesn't seem like other people know. But I mean, he's got like kind of this kind of lame brush cover over it. Well, the deaf woman is Elizabeth Doppler. And actually, this bunker is at the Doppler's cabin. I wonder if the Dopplers never went to that cabin with their children, so with Francesca and with Elizabeth. So then in that case, if they did, sometimes went to this, this cabin, then Elizabeth should know about a bunker. I was, by the way, fully expecting that Francesca was trading hormones for the transvestite. So no surprise there for me. I don't think, by the way, that the bunker is geographically connected to the caves. It's actually that the storage room for the radioactive material and the Sigmundus Creatus S door are connected, but not with the bunker. 
as far as I know. The bunker is more a time portal. And in this episode, so the second episode here, we get a lot of new ways of traveling. Last podcast I was saying, yeah, Jonas said to his mother, Hannah, that he tried to destroy the portal, but he only closed it. And I wondered if Noah with Bartos had another way of time traveling. And indeed, in this episode, we see that this whole closing of the portal, or these caves, actually, is not so important. As long as you have this time machine, the Tannhaus time machine, actually, you can travel through time. And even older Jonas takes his mother Hannah back to his father's childhood. I wondered, by the way, why this scene was so important. So Jonas went with his mother to see Ines Kahnwald taking care of Mats Nielsen, which is actually then Michael Kahnwald. But yeah, why is this so striking in the sense of... I think Hannah knew that Ines Kahnwald is was taking care of her husband and was his mother, more or less, so... Yeah, it can be emotional to see your husband at a young age, but perhaps Hannah does know Mats Nielsen, and now she realizes that Mats Nielsen is the same as her husband was. So, Jonah's father, and that's the striking thing. That could be. So, in that case, Hannah never saw youth pictures of Michael, which is not logical, because when... Mats Nielsen is arriving in 1986 and he is actually going to school where he's teased. He also met young Hannah there. So, no, this is not it. Uh, I'm thinking in circles, um, which Dark does with you. And one of the other things that Dark does with you is making all kinds of thoughts and theories and ideas which makes you talk more than 10 minutes so i really have to stop here with my feedback and i even didn't get to the second episode feedback properly but i interwaved it a little bit in what i still had to tell about episode one so probably with the feedback of episode three you will get a lot more about episode two okay sorry guys bye till next time fred from the netherlands all right, now, the whole idea about that room that we see Adam and Noah, and, and I'd mentioned last week in the podcast that I, it was 1921, and, and then Fred you know, mentioned that we didn't necessarily have any verification, and, and we still don't have any verification. I was basically just going on the feel of the room. Uh, you know, There were a lot of candles, but of course, there were electric lights as well. And at one point, I thought I saw a phone on the desk, but I couldn't enlarge it enough to really tell. So, yeah, we, we don't know for sure, but I'm going to stick with uh, the fact that I think that might be 1921. Yeah, and I think when we first see Adam, he's talking to – is he talking to Noah? Was that – Yeah, I, I think – Or it was like right after – you know, it was – I don't know – I'm not sure why. And if I went back and watched the first episode, I could probably figure out where I just, I think it's 1921 as well. But I, I don't have any. And honestly, it could be really any time, right? 
Well, that's um, that's true. I mean, you know, somebody from 2053 could come back and set up a room for whatever period they're in. I mean, like you said, who who really knows? But he also asks about whether or not Adam has gone through the apocalypse. And, and I think the scarring that we see and the scarring that we see on individuals in 2053 leads us to, to think that, yes, he did. And like we said last week, I think we're going to end up seeing him as somebody that we already know. And uh, I can't well, remember. Of course, because, there. yeah, well, I, I didn't verify. I, I just threw that out there. Uh, I got called out a little bit on spoilers, but I'm just saying this show is very insular. And that's the thing. Like, even like Claudia, mean the French delegation, we've really had little indication that there's an outside world, outside Winden at all. But the two times we have, it's been France. So apparently the world is Winden and France. But, <laughs> you know, um, so, uh, yeah, we just, it's like the same characters, right? The only real outsider this time, well, is Adam, one, and Clausen. And of course, we're not going to be surprised if either of those guys turn out to like be people we saw already because that's what keeps happening, right? Right. Like just the people keep coming back, but it's all, it's just this, we basically met all the characters, I think, in episode one, pretty much, okay. of season one. Okay. Now, one of the things that he brings up about the apocalypse that I I thought about it from time to time, and then I guess I got involved with another aspect of the show and never really put a whole lot of thought into it, but whether or not the apocalypse is going to happen in 1921 is the apocalypse going to happen simultaneously in multiple timelines again we don't know and and fred i don't have an answer other than it's it's something that's on my radar and and something that that i certainly find fascinating and i mean do you have any insight into that that's not a spoiler i don't not that i can really think of now okay Okay. You know, we, we don't get a ton of voiceovers, but he asks whether Adam is the, the dark voiceover or is it HG uh, Tanhouse? And, and I'm, yeah, I'm not really sure. But, but the one thing that I'm pretty sure is that Clausen is not Adam. I mean, I don't have anything to verify that other than, um, you know, I, I, I don't think so. Right. Well, the only thing that we might think is that because they're, they both are like quote unquote outsiders. Right. 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 That right. people who we didn't, who weren't la last season and now who are in the show. Right. So, right. Now, you know, it's funny because one character who was so important in season one, uh, we've really seen so little of her and she's such a great character and that's Katarina. Right. Is she still in the caves? I assume so. Did she find, you know, the door? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, then it goes back to Jonas saying that he blocked entries. And we don't know exactly what that really means. I right. Mean, she, clearly, she doesn't have a time machine. So if she's going to travel, she's got to get through the door. And I got to believe as motivated as she is that, if she found the door, she tried to open it. If it was at all possible to open, um, right. but it seems like from what Jonas said, it's 
doesn't seem like it's possible. Though. Right. And, and and that's, I think, where we're going to maybe find her next, that she's in there and and she, you know, in, encounters that roadblock of, of not being able to uh, open the door. Now, now, he also brings up seeing young Mads in the care um, of Mickle, young Mickle. of uh, Nurse Inus. Why is that so emotional? And, and and now he says Mads, he means Mickle. He meant Mickle, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's what I was saying. You know, does she put all of this together? Because from my perspective, the point of showing her that scene in 1987 is for her to be able to, you know, get some peace about her husband, Michael, having hanged himself. What drove a man to that point? Well, clearly Hannah, as a young girl, met you know, Mickle as a young boy. And to now see in this house that she's been living in with her family, to start to put two to two together, well, how can this be happening? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why he, you know, except that, you know, like show don't tell i guess i guess he didn't feel like telling her about michael would really you know convince her that he needed to bring her back and actually show her like i said kind of like the dowling thomas type thing that she actually has to see mickle back then and to really understand everything which yeah we've always supposed before i mean as mickle got older you know especially like hannah but even like some of the older people then they look at him and say gosh wow he he kind of looks like what, what michael looked like when he was that age you know let's let's go check out some pictures of michael when he was back in school and mickle now you know because gosh darn it mickle looks a lot like michael you know like no one put that i mean i, I mean what were they gonna think like oh somehow time travel it's just you know you'd think that someone would be curious about that well, and I think that's something that's come up in in the discussions of Dark, and I think we even talked about it in, in certain cases last season as well. And I guess just the fact that time passes slowly, but you know, now to see this young boy Mickle, who in her time in 2020, he's the missing kid. She sees his picture in the newspaper along with the other missing kids. So now to see him in 1987, this exact same kid. But anyway, um, yeah. anything else about Fred's feedback? Do you want to bring uh, up? I just want to tell Fred, Fred, I assure you, I know where the spine is located. <laughs> uh, and also with the that, that Bartosh possibly being the, the guy who gets spiked, that I, I kind of like that concept there uh but i refuse to make any more bartosh predictions i I was so sure of the noah bartosh thing and then to to really have that shot out from under me in the very first scene of season two i'm I'm still reeling from that a little bit i'm still still a little tender so i'm not going to put any more predictions out there about who bartosh might be well well, you know the funny thing about it is that very often, you know, I'll wake up, I'll get my tea, sit down at my computer, and I'll I'll see that maybe Fred either messaged me about something or posted it on the Facebook group. 
And this was something, you know, the whole idea of these two in that scene in 1921. And and I had said something about, oh, maybe it's uh, it's Bartosh killing himself. And then the more I thought about it, like, now, wait a minute. We know the one guy is Noah. And even if the other guy who we say looks like Bartosh is Bartosh. But then that goes back to the other thing that we speculated. Well, is Noah Bartosh? And at first I, I thought, and I said to, I think in the Facebook group, but yeah, Hey, I'm going to, you know, claim grogginess because of the time difference. You know, for me, I'm getting up at maybe seven, seven thirty, and, and trying to think about this stuff and, you know, responding to Fred who is five or six hours ahead of us. But the age difference, the guy that gets, axed don't you think he looks older than the other guy oh, yeah. or is it or is it just not enough that bartosh and noah still could be the same person that- no because i i think that that kid that young noah is so close in age to the bartosh that we know okay that they're clearly not the same person but that the guy who gets killed definitely is older could that people? I don't know. Well, he definitely looks like Bartosh. There's no question. Yeah, but but, but I, you know, I said the same thing about knowing Bartosh. Though, so. Right, right. So, so that's uh, what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not uh, making any any predictions here. Okay. All right. Anything else on Fred's feedback? Um, n- nope. Okay. But there's just one thing. I oh, well, actually, two things. First of all, we got Rick ruled. You know what okay. that is. No, I don't. So the one scene there at uh, the Tideman house, they're playing that Rick Astley song, Never Gonna Give You Up. Uh, I don't know it. the worst song ever. So, But Rick Astley was, had this one hit back in the 80s. And so there was this thing called getting Rick rolled where you would send someone an email with a link saying, hey, here's pictures from uh, our vacation last week. And you click on the link and it would be, go to Rick Astley singing. So if you did that, you got Rick rolled. So we got Rick rolled here. So, you know, we find out that a, uh, there is a France in this world. And unfortunately there's also Rick Astley as well. Um, so he, he unfortunately has made it into the reality of Wyndon. Uh, the last thing that just really quickly, and I don't know if you want to talk about this more than that, but how Francisca, which she's like kind of coming back at Magnus, She's saying, like, uh, you know, it's it's not the secrets aren't the problem; it's what everyone in this town projects, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I remember as soon as you said that. Yeah, but so, yeah, go ahead. W- no, I mean, what do we take away from that? I, I mean, I, I remember yeah, her I mean, saying that and feeling like it means something. I'm just not exactly sure what it means. Right, and I'm not sure either, except that, well, if we go with the Ibsen and ghosts, like the big problem was this guy, Captain Alvig, was a total jerk and kept secrets about what he was doing, and, and that affected the next generation. Um, so that's Magnus's take. It's the secrets. But Francisco's like, no, it's not the, it's not the secrets. It's what, you know, it's what I guess a kid living in a small town might think. It's just all the talk and all the gossip and what people project upon others. 
uh, and everything. So I don't know. It was just a very interesting line, I thought, especially when we've had people complain so much about the secrets being the problem. Francisca says, no, it's not the secrets. It's the people. Uh, okay. Man, I'm going to have to get my uh, Ibsen out because I only know Doll's House and uh, – uh, what is it called? Master Builder? Now I can't remember what the other uh, – yeah, Master Builder. So – Hmm. interesting all right all right well i think we haven't changed our mind right full-on a for this oh episode. yeah, yeah. Full, full a's yep okay and top uh, marks well I almost notice we marks. gave the finale last year a plus so we'll see where that's headed i've tried my best and and i think i've done a pretty good job at this point of staying away from spoilers and fingers crossed we'll see what happens but uh, yeah, so we'll go ahead and leave it there. And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark. Yeah, thoughts about the magicians? Anything else going on in genre TV? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. You can email us at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access on the website or just record your own the way fred does each week we'll be back next week to continue our discussion of dark with season two episode three titled ghosts but until then so it's really funny that you know just this week it was like kind of it's been 30 years since my wife and i started dating and everything so it was just really kind of uh unique and and, uh, inspiring for me to to for to actually hear the lines like the first thing she said to me when she looked at me and she said get out of my way douchebag 